High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Um, September day. Obviously, in South Africa, spring has sprung. We're ready for the summer. And I'm sitting in Berlin. And it is an amazing day here as well. It's autumn. And yet, the sun is shining. Uh, the tech is ticking. It's all good in Berlin. And having attended the recently closed IFA trade show here, right here in Berlin, I must tell you that technology is moving ahead at leaps and bounds, despite all the doom and gloom at home with recessions and whatnot. We'll try to lighten the mood with some of the craziest, interesting and newest gadgets that you could ever imagine, because there's no question that technology globally is exploding. It's getting involved in every aspect of our lives. There's nothing that technology is not touching from healthcare to education to you name it, to toothbrushes for that matter. Every single aspect of our lives has some sort of technology. And what's so fascinating about the IFA show, it is a public show. It's a show that beyond the trade days or, or rather the press days, which are the 29th and 30th of August, which I did attend, from the 31st of August, which was Friday last week, it is open to the public and anybody can come in. And it changes the nature of the show because not only are all the gizmos and the gadgets and all the tech that you know only the geeks get on display, but the entire show is focused on promoting product that's available as of now in the stores across Europe and most of the world, including in some cases South Africa, um, that you can touch and feel and interact with and play with. So the main huge themes, things we'll talk about a little later once I've been through some of the breaking news in South Africa, but the main themes that are picked up from the IFA show this year is that televisions are just getting bigger and bigger. 55-inch used to be a big TV. It is now an entry-level TV. 65 inches, 75 inches, 88 inches and above are becoming the norm. And the response to that, because obviously as your TV gets bigger, you need more and more resolution to maintain the same sharpness of picture or the same quality. So the big news, the big launch at IFA was 8K TV. Now, I know that a lot of people are very happy with their HD TVs, which is 2K. Uh, we just started moving into the era of 4K, but hold your horses. 8K is out. It's available. And I actually saw it in a store for sale at a mere 6,600 euros, which we won't convert at current exchange rates because it's an obscene amount of money. But that's the simple fact. But before we get on to, well, I was talking about the main themes. The other main theme is voice in everything. Absolutely everything you can touch everything you can interact with, everything you can speak to, all your appliances have voice, be it Alexa, which was the big news from earlier in the year, or Google, which is the big news right now. They were all over the show showing how you could interact with everything using just simply, hey, Google. Um, so voice has become a huge, huge, huge thing. And the next main sort of theme is, again, an evolution of the connected everything, obviously talking about AI in everything right now. And AI is nothing more than very, very fast or artificial intelligence is very, very fast, complicated and smart algorithms 
that make things seem smart for now. There's no real artificial intelligence, just a great, great marketing thing. And people are lapping it up like there's no tomorrow. So you cannot have anything without AI. In fact, Samsung's new 8K TV has an AI-enabled upscaling processor. It sounds amazing, but it is actually amazing. But we are moving into a world of hyper-connectedness. We are, 5G is popping up everywhere and will be for the next 18 months to two years, even in South Africa. And um, we are definitely seeing more and more stuff that is connected. You cannot have voice without connectedness. You cannot have half these technologies that we're going to talk about later without being connected at a very high speed. So we are definitely seeing the emergence of all these major trends. But before we get into that, um, and we've also got a, a wonderful interview, which I did at the show with Fitbit being one of the premier sort of activity trackers. They had a great stand. They were showing off Fitbit Pay, which I tried. It, I used. It works. It's brilliant. Um, it's just so cool to use your watch to pay for things in stores. And, um, you know, just generally what what the future holds for, for wearables and technology. We've got a great interview in Tech Talk Cafe at 20 past, so do stay tuned for that. But, again, before we get into all the EFA news and feedback and releases and everything – the sad news is that our dear friends, and I use that word, you know, in the correct sense, our dear friends at MTN have simply been sucked into another Nigerian political vortex. Now, doing business in Africa has never been for sissies. This is, or so Africa is a tough continent. There are enormous opportunities, but there are enormous risks. Now, MTN a couple of years ago got hit with a $5 billion Fine. I mean, we're not talking Mickey Mouse money here. We're talking obscene money um, because they didn't disconnect a whole host of people who weren't registered. They had their own RECA rules where you need to register to use your smartphone, and they nailed MTN. Eventually, that was settled for a billion dollars. I mean, it's it's insane. Well, in the last two weeks, there have been two new demands from MTN. And as I say, this is political mugging because some of the politicians in the current business – uh, are keen on the idea and others are not. Well, apparently what they've done is ask MTN to return 8.1 billion US dollars it allegedly illegally transferred out of the country uh, over the last, I think, nine years. So from about 2008 to 2015, they say that the paperwork used to transfer this money out of the country was incorrect. And they now need to return it. And then what they would do is they find a few banks because they didn't do their job correctly. And then they will give the money back to MTN in Naira. So they'll print some money quickly, give it to MTN in the country, and then they have to use it in the country. They can't take it out in a hurry. $8.1 billion. And then MTN have actually refuted that completely. They said that last year they went through this whole thing with the government and it was decided that they hadn't done anything illegal and all their paperwork was in order. I'm sure this is going to be another long, drawn-out political battle between MTN and Nigeria. But then just to add insult to injury, the um, – the, the, uh, what, what do they call it? The, the finance department then decided um, to say that MTN between 2007 and 2015 did not pay 2 billion rands worth of back taxes as well, which which they say they should have paid on 
the importation of goods to set up networks and the payments for services that they rendered. So, I mean, it's a complete crazy, crazy situation where obviously these companies, no matter what anyone says, MTN is too big a company, too careful a company and too global a company not to take the best current advice whenever they do anything in any country that they operate. And the chance of them making rookie mistakes of sending money out the country with the wrong paperwork or not paying taxes, which um, should be clear in terms of the tax laws of the country, just makes no sense. So 10 billion US dollars, which is significant money, um, has been demanded from MTN over over the next I, well, the demands are there. We don't know when it needs to be paid. Those details are not available as yet. But the simple fact is that doing business in Africa has always been a challenge. And MTN are finding out in no uncertain terms that this challenge is simply not going away. Just when they thought they were back on track, they were planning a listing this year in Nigeria, which may well be off the the cards. But these type of shenanigans, this type of uncertainty definitely drives away foreign investment. No company is going to invest in a country significant money. We're talking about tens of billions of US dollars, hundreds of billions of rands um, in a company in a country that doesn't have certainty and clarity and dependability of the laws. You can't simply change them down the road and say, oh, by the way, 10 years ago you did X. So now we want 10 billion dollars back. It's crazy, but (laughs) fun and games in the tech business. Uh, Good luck to MTN in the negotiations on this. And we'll be back with some more technology news straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And apparently we've got a few little technical challenges going on uh, with my Tech Talk Cafe clip. I may have to play it through Skype here right (laughs) from Berlin, but we'll see if we can sort that out. But in other news, which is German and I'm sitting right here in Berlin and it was big news, is Mercedes-Benz have decided and have announced that they are going to take on Tesla with electric cars. Now, electric cars have become a huge, huge thing uh, globally and more and more in Europe, we are seeing the demands on emissions, the demands of the the cleanliness of every sort of um, car out there is being stepped up dramatically. Diesel, unfortunately, has a terrible, terrible reputation. So there's no question that electric and electric cars are going to be the next big thing. Now, the uh, Mercedes EQC crossover which starts production in the first half of next year, we're talking about six to nine months from now, is just part of their plan to develop a whole new range of its EQ electric line. And their CEO, Dieter Zicher, told reporters, and they did this last week uh, in Stockholm, that their, their plan was originally to invest 10 billion euros on the project, but the spending has just ballooned beyond that um, and hasn't said exactly how much. But obviously, these are massive investments in the future. And this car joins Porsche, Audi, Jaguar in in putting pressure on Tesla. Tesla had pretty much the market to itself with its all um, electric cars from day dot. But when you take on a company as big as Mercedes, BMW, these major, major and uh, <laughs> the whole VW group with Audi at the, as, its, as its flagship, um, 
it, it just becomes a serious challenge. But there's no question that every every car manufacturer from Ford to Mercedes to, to Toyota to whoever are going to have fully electric cars by 2020 on the road, tons of them commercially available. Daimler have confirmed they'll have 10 fully electric cars by 2022. And Mercedes have also committed a billion euros on battery production uh, in many, many you know, facilities globally. And the benefit of that is those facilities don't only make batteries for Mercedes. They'll make batteries for everybody. And there'll be more and more uh, better and better batteries available for many people um, and many manufacturers. And um, oh, I see, I'll just be informed my clip is ready to play, which is great. But there'll be many, many more manufacturers being able to get all the parts they need for electric. And Interestingly enough, um, as part of the same discussions, it was also mentioned that the big fuel companies, Shell, BP, and, you know, all these guys and guys from the east as well are actually getting very involved in putting in charging stations. Now, it makes perfect sense. As the fuel cars start declining on the roads, which won't happen for many, many, many years, you are going to need charging stations, high-speed charging stations where the current, and I mean where more convenient than having it where the current fuel station or fuel um, garages, as we call them, exist. So a lot of the, uh, the current fuel companies are getting or looking very seriously at a network of charging stations across um, pretty much the world. They'll definitely start coming to South Africa. They are being mandated in countries like France and uh, and uh, England, where they say that by 2030, that no further petrol cars may be sold, things like that. So the, the age of the electric car, the age of the self-driving car, um, and an autonomous type world where, we, where transport is just so completely different is fast, fast, fast approaching. So the latest to throw their, their banner into the whole fray is Mercedes, and good luck to them. The car looks absolutely amazing it looks like something from tron so we expect to see a lot more of this coming in the nearest future and uh, more and more models from the major manufacturers making more and more electric cars available now many of you may may or may not have seen this yet but if you update um, your computer if you open google chrome which is 10 years old can you believe the biggest browser in the world which took over from Microsoft's uh, Explorer uh, a couple of years ago as the largest browser, is 10 years old. It's, it's, it's remarkable. In one decade, they've gone from nowhere to the largest browser out there. And who, I know very, very few people who don't use Google Chrome at some level or on some device at some point. It's available on iOS. It's available on every um, Apple, on Windows. It's available on, on Android as it would be, considering Android's owned by Google or by, yeah, by Google, Chrome, and all that stuff. So they've just completely revamped it. So don't get a fright if you see a slick new look and feel. There's a couple of really interesting, nice new features. The look is much more organic and clean. There's, everything's round and smoothed. So I would suggest you update today. On iOS, they've moved the tab to a much more the search, instead of being at the top where you had to use long fingers for the top to the bottom, it's all at the bottom. It's just a great, great, great new update. And um, 
it's part of their whole Material 2 aesthetic. So the latest version of of um, Android, which is which is out now, Android 9, which we'll start seeing on phones. In fact, I did see it on the brand new Sony phone that was launched at EFO. More about that later. But the the new sort of look and feel is clean. It's smooth. It's really, really, really pleasant to look at. But more than that, the browser is supposed to be a lot faster. They've been They've enhanced the accuracy of autofill. You know that as you start typing, it starts autofilling what you're looking for. It's pretty freaky. Sometimes it knows before you know what you want to do. You can now customize your backgrounds for open tabs. It's got a built-in password generator, which is quite a big deal, and a password password saver. For you, those of you that are not using a password app, it's an absolute lifesaver because you can generate complex, difficult-to-remember um, passwords for every website do not use the same password. I know I do every now and then, but don't use the same password on every website. And you can store them directly in Chrome safely and securely. And what's even cooler, if you log into Chrome with your Google uh, account across all your devices, doesn't matter how many you've got or where you use them. So if you're at the office and you log in, you're at home on your computer or on your phone, all those passwords, all those preferences will simply be you be available across all your devices without you doing absolutely anything yet. Now, it is taking a little bit of time to roll out, so I would suggest you just keep updating your phone, keep updating your computer. Well, the only way to update Chrome on your computer, on Windows computer, is to close Chrome and then reopen it. Or you can simply click on the three dots on the right, go to Help, and say About Google Chrome, and it'll do a quick little check and tell you if Chrome is up to date. So if you want to check on your, your Windows or Mac browser, there are three little dots on the far right, just below the, the X on Windows. Um, and if you click on that, simply go to Help and click on About Google, Google Chrome, and it'll check to see if it's updated. If it's not updated, it'll update. And there you go. You've got this clean, very slick, and actually, I must say, very fast um, new Chrome right here on your new shiny computer. Now, before we go um, any further, just quickly, on the 12th of September, Apple have announced that they will be launching the brand new iPhones. Um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about that a little later. They're going to be apparently three models. As usual, the leaks are now in full force, along with iOS 12, which I'm still using at the moment, and it's pretty slick. And the, the reality is simply that this, again, will be one of the most talked about launches of the nearish future with three brand new iPhones coming. And apparently all of them, again, unfortunately, our South African Rand is not playing ball, but apparently the pricing this year is a lot better than the pricing last year. So the, the new phones will be cheaper. Uh, the entry level phone will be pretty much like the new iPhone X or the current iPhone X. There'll be a new iPhone X and a new iPhone X Plus. So really, really interesting stuff. Now we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Tech Talk Cafe. And we're going to be talking to Benoit Rimbo, who is the VP of Marketing for EMEA at Fitbit. Um, and as I said, they are the largest activity tracker company in the world. And they have a brand new device amongst a whole lot of other things that they're busy with. And we'll hear all about that straight after this. Hi, FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. 
Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. And right here at IFA Berlin with me in their studio, not mine, is Benoit Rambo, who is the VP for Fitbit in EMEA. And apparently this is your first interview with us scary people from South Africa. So welcome to the show. I'm sure it's Thank going you. to be lots of fun. Health, fitness, wearables have been such a hot topic for so long. There's so many companies and so many wristbands, but Fitbit has been available in South Africa for many years and is one of the leaders in the wearables market. So I'd really like to get your sense of where Fitbit fits in, where you guys are going to be going and what your plans are for Africa and South Africa. And um, then we can discuss some specific products later, but it'll be really interesting to hear what you you feel the potential and where we are in South Africa, certainly, or in your region, Europe and Africa, with uh, Fitbit and and the wearables market. Yes, it's very interesting to be uh, to be with you today. Um, yeah, so Fitbit, we are we are really in Europe the number one brand uh, when it comes to health and fitness wearable, um, and we really see uh, our mission to help people to be healthier, to live healthier, yeah? And um, so this is super important to uh, bring a wearable device, including mobile app, including coaching features, um, personal insights uh, to people in order to help them to achieve their health and fitness goals. So it's really about health and fitness um, and helping people to achieve their goals. And the market has been growing quite rapidly over the last few years. Do you see that continuing for the next couple of years? Totally, totally. So we've seen, um, we've created the, com- the, the category with the activity tracker uh, 11 years ago, um, especially with products like the Charge 2, Charge, 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 Charge 2, when it comes to fitness trackers. And we recently, uh, last year, expanded to smartwatch. So, um, yeah, we have created the category 11 years ago. We see the market uh, relatively important, but uh, stable on trackers. And we see growth, um, a lot of growth in smartwatch. Overall, the wearable category is growing when you look at IDC from a source point of view, um, including in Europe. So it's a, it's a, it's a growing market, definitely. That's really interesting because more and more people are wearing, as you notice when you wander in the streets and go to the gym, more and more people are wearing trackers. So it's become important to know what you're doing. And also in South Africa, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, one of the major health insurers keep giving you smoothies and rewards if you reach your walk goals and your tracker goals. So it's definitely a market that perhaps was overhyped in the beginning, but it seems to have really settled down into a, a positive, good business at the moment, pretty much everywhere. Yes, that's correct. And we've been very focused on making sure our ecosystem, our device, are really adding value and helping you to achieve your health and fitness goals. And we have proof points. So um, features such as friends, connecting for the Fitbit ecosystem with friends to compare your number of steps. Nothing like competition to make you walk further. To motivate you, totally. And we know that when people are adding friends to their account, to their uh, uh, network, Fitbit um, social network, um, they are uh, doing 700 steps more. 
when they are doing a challenge, so you take a challenge for a week, you invite up to 10 people, you are going to walk 2,000 steps more. I'm doing that here at, at uh, IFA. I'm walking too yeah. many steps. So IFA is the, is the, is the best <laughs> place win. to add steps. Totally, totally. So we know that we, through this ecosystem, the data, the quantification of your steps, we help people to set a goal um, and achieve their goals by providing motivation. Um, it could be competition with friends. It could be personal insights. Uh, charts, trends, uh, you know, day after day, uh, week after week, so you can see your activity trends. So it's really helping to move more, sleep better, uh, eat well, uh, achieve your goals. Those are all amazing goals. Now let's talk specifically about your products. You just launched a brand new product, which I first saw properly yesterday. Um, tell us a little bit about the new Charge 3 and, and some of the innovations and the technology yep. that's gone into this device. We, um, so Charge 3 is really the succession of a very successful um, tracker, the Charge 2. So it's really our best tracker that just got better, and this is Charge 3. We listen to our uh, huge community of Charge Charge HR, Charge 2 users. We have sold 35 million units. Wow, that's um, significant. Yeah, and we did listen to the community of users here. And Charge 3 is a response to uh, the needs. Um, it's waterproof, it's water resistant up to 50 meters. So you can swim with it. You can swim with it. It tracks swimming. Okay. You, um, you have a product which is um, with a bigger display, a brighter display, touch screen. Yeah, that's correct. The previous one was tap screen only. Tap not, screen. It wasn't touch screen. Yeah. You have a, an inductive button, um, so it gives more space for a longer battery life uh, by using for the first time an inductive button um, on, on, the, uh, on the Charge 3. Um, and the Charge 3, so it's really about premium design. Um, it's a lot of features, uh, health and fitness features, we can recognize up to 15 exercise sports and it will automatically de detect the sport you are doing. But also you can set a goal to yourself uh, from, from your wrist. So you can say, I want to do, um, you know, I want to burn 300 calories or I want to run for 30 minutes. You can set the goal on, on your the wrist. wrist, not on the app, not on the app. And then you will be um, able to do against your goal and you will get a vibration. Uh, when you achieve your goals. So, um, yes, swim-proof, um, a lot of uh, health and fitness features, including the heart rate uh, purple sensor that is giving you, you know, all what you love with Fitbit, especially the sleep uh, tracking, which is uh, really super interesting with the sleep cycle, the sleep stage. Um, so that's uh, the number two, premium design. Number two is health and fitness. And number three on charge-free is the smart features. And this will be available pretty much across the world in October. Yeah, that's right. October 1st. Yeah. The, the, we have actually received the South African right. pricing, so we'll, I'll announce that maybe later on in the show. But in the meanwhile, this is, this is an activity tracker that pretty much anyone can wear. Ladies, men, yeah. it's quite slim. It's yeah. quite elegant. Yeah, light. And, as you can see, we really work the design. Yes, it's, it's a, certainly the, the, the much dome, more premium. The dome design on, on, on the back. Uh, you can easily exchange the uh, wrist, the, the band, from you know lifestyle to fitness. 
Um, but the last, uh, I just want to come back on the smart features. Um, so you have notification. So you can receive notification. So it does behave a bit like a smartwatch as well. You have you have always on type of features, smartwatch features. Um, and we look at our smartwatch users to understand what they use the most on smartwatch. Notification is key. Uh, app notifications. You can, on Android only at the moment, you can respond to a notification with predefined um, response. Um, and apps. So we are adding to this um, charge free some most popular apps such as calendar, um, timer, um, and weather. Oh, perfect. And apparently there will also be two versions. There'll be a version without a Fitbit Pay and a version with Fitbit Pay. Yep. So, because it's yeah. quite cool. I just tried Fitbit Pay now for the first time. Okay. Uh, it works with one South African bank. Right. So right. Um, it works. So you can get the two versions. That's correct. So the special edition is the charge-free with NFC capabilities for contactless payment. So it's very simple. Plus, you have an additional band into the um, special edition. Oh, that's quite good value so because so have, yeah. bands are in the region of 30, 40 yeah. euros, if yeah. I understand correctly, which translated in South African rands. I'm not going to even do that today. But anyway, yeah. so you get a spare band and it looks the same, but it has the NFC capability. Right. Therefore, you can pay using contactless in, in stores that accept contactless payment. So we have a... a, a the most advanced fitness tracker uh, with charge free. Well, it's certainly I certainly look forward to getting one and seeing how it behaves. But uh, it, it it is without question the probably the most premium fitness tracker that you guys have made, and it, it looks amazing. So I'm sure our listeners will be quite keen to see it when it hits the stores. Now, a really interesting area around the whole Fitbit universe that uh, we've been talking about recently is the data. You guys are collecting huge amounts of sleep data and activity data from millions of users around the globe. How is that being used? Uh, obviously not personally, but I mean there must be certainly insights and information that is being developed that helps not only you develop your product, but can help people's fitness and, and give insights into what you do. Yeah, that's, that's super important, as you said. Um, we have 25 uh, million active users, um, so we, we collect a lot of data. Uh, let me take one example, which is the sleep. Um, we have 7.5 trillion of... Uh, 7.5 billion... Nights. Of nights. Wow. Right? <laughs> that number's too big to even understand. Um, so with this um, massive uh, volume of data um, through technology, uh, software, algorithm, you can really uh, give back to individual um, personal insight on their sleep. Right? So you can really help them and coach individually people to better understand their sleep. Sleep is super important. It's not just about the duration. It's about the quality of the sleep. Um, so you need to understand your sleep stage. And we are going to, we already, for personal insights um, on the sleep tab of the mobile app, uh, we give you a lot of advice to improve your sleep. So that's what is helping you. The data, the massive volume of data is helping you to go back to users with uh, coaching and personal insights. And all that's part of the app. Already, yes, on the sleep, totally, yeah, on the sleep. 
and your coaching, you've got also coaching ability, certain coaching apps and everything that also, are they using this new data as yet or is it just a yes. fairly standard sort of coaching element? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, of course, it's a journey. So um, we improve every day. Um, but the Fitbit Coach app, um, which is within the Fitbit app, is uh, providing to you a set of trainings, uh, video coaching, and it takes into account um, your activity. So um, if, if I've been running 20K yesterday, they are not going to push me something for the legs. They are going to you know, give me a video or coach training for the shoulders or the arms, right? So they are going to take into consideration my overall activity uh, in order to push me the right uh, class. So it's quite a holistic view of, of your behavior and your activity. It's not simply something that gives you numbers that are not very useful. Yes. Um, we, we really help people to interpret the data, interpret the numbers they have on their dashboard in order to take the right decision versus their class, their sport, their activity, their sleep, in order to achieve a well-being, um, be more active, sleep better, eat better, and, and be well. Yeah? What a wonderful business to be in. Most people just sell gadgets. Here you're selling lifestyle, things that are actually really truly important to most people's lives now an interesting question something i've discussed with many people the the smartwatch versus wearables market what is fitbit's view on that going forward because i must say i quite enjoy using the versa because i've now got a, a smartwatch and a tracker i used to wear a tracker and a smartwatch so it's one less device what are the trends around that are people tending to one device or do you find there's a market for people who want both? Well, there is. we see the market as wearable. It's one market. And we see uh, consumers that will be really uh, attracted by the form factor of a, of a wristband, like charge-free. And other people that will be attracted by a more holistic smartwatch with bigger screen, apps, um, so really uh, a, a more generalist product. Uh, still very focused on health and fitness when it comes to Fitbit, but there are two design, and uh, we see preference uh, in some case for a wristband, and that's why charge-free is there. Um, and others are on smartwatch. Today, um, again, IDC is saying the tracker market is uh, significant, but you know, plus 3% over the next five years worldwide. Um, the smartwatch market is plus 107 percent. So there's a huge over the difference five years. between the two. Yeah, yeah. So there is huge difference. Um, we are the market leader in trackers, so I think charge-free is is really also um, you know is a, is a, a wait uh, a long wait since charge two. So we have a great replacement here. So um, yes. Um, there is a design for every user. For every particular yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. So I understand that we can't really talk about the future per se, but the growth in the smartwatch and health and fitness tracker, do you see that, con well, IDC say that that's the area of major growth, but do you see that from the Fitbit point of view of bringing more functionality, more apps, because an app ecosystem like, yeah. like Apple and Google is quite fundamental to yeah. the success of a of a wearable such as the, the Versa watch? 
Yeah, so with Fitbit Versa, we have a, a great success because um, it's, it's, a, it's a 199 euros uh, equivalent in, in, in your country uh, product. And, and we really It's around about 60% of the price of an equivalent okay. smartwatch. Right. So it's very much in so, the same range. So it's a very uh, great smartwatch. Um, you know, we've been very successful with the launch of Fitbit Versa. Um, and of course, a smartwatch is a platform where you can add apps. Um, and we are we are coming with more apps, especially focus on health and fitness. So you can expand the capabilities of the product by adding uh, apps um, within the health uh, environment. And then the last question. This is not forward-looking. It's just a, an opinion. Um, do you see new capabilities coming in the near future for health trackers that we d- currently don't have? Like, for example, blood pressure, things like that. I see more, um, yes, I see more um, more features coming. Um, you know, we, we are working, we have developed a, a brand called Fitbit Labs, um, and we are um, uh, going to, to launch later uh, a sleep score, right? So again, I'm just taking as an example the sleep, but the sleep score is going to be one number, one score, uh, to help you to further understand so your sleep. Everyone must aim for a 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to further understand your sleep and to uh, help you again to interpret with a simple single number. Uh, but the sleep score will be built by a lot of knowledge uh, we have from the data coming from the heart rate um, sensor as well. And, you know, the long run on this is to be able to help people at some point of time uh, with sleep apnea, with, you know, um, breathing disturbance. So that's one example. But yes, moving forward, definitely uh, helping people to better understand some health um, health, uh, aspect, uh, such as sleep apnea, for instance. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. As, as I said, time flies when you're talking about exciting technology like this. Thank you so much for joining us. And I will be watching carefully and seeing what more things come from the Fitbit right. ecosystem in the next little while. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 FM. Well, welcome back and fascinating discussion around what's coming from Fitbit heart rate monitors and sleep monitors and sleep scores. I must admit, I do use my Fitbit Versa, which I'm, I'm, I'm wearing right now, to monitor my sleep. And it gives a lot of information about when I slept, how I slept and all that sort of stuff. It's not great on a plane, but then again, who sleeps on a plane? That's a whole another story altogether. Now, moving on to much more exciting things. Well, not really, but more exciting things from IFA. Um, as I said, this is a show that is aimed at the public. It's not a techie, gadgety show. There's Melee and Bosch and AEG and a whole host of uh, both Samsung and LG do all their home appliances there. And there was a huge display of connected absolutely everything. Fridges that tell you when you're running out of food. Samsung released a fridge with an app, which then checks what's in the fridge and comes up with recipes with your 
food that's in the fridge rather than wasting anything. So it'll make you recipes of what you have rather than you rushing out to buy new food. Super efficient. I mean, there's a whole host of other features that it has. But essentially, all these gadgets are getting super smart from the way they work, from the basic technology of how they work, um, all the way down to just being connected, turning on at certain times, informing you when they're going on, when they're going off, what's inside, their temperature, you know, switching on at certain times, noticing when you leave the office um, and knows via your apps how long it'll take you to get home five minutes before you get home. It turns on the heat so it's super efficient. Things like that or the air conditioner wherever you may live. If you live in Singapore, it's definitely an air conditioner. You don't need any heat. But certainly in Berlin and Europe in winter, when it gets to minus 20 and absolutely insane cold, it's actually smart to arrive home find that your your food is cooking, uh, your your bath is perhaps run, um, the, the, the apartment or your house is a cozy 21 degrees, all smart, smart, smart stuff. But one of the first things that I saw, just from a pure technology point of view, was uh, the first press release I went to was from Bung & Olufsen. Now, Bung & Olufsen, as many, many, many people know, have always been on the high-end designer fringe of audio. That being said, they've always engineered some amazing sounding, amazing performance audio equipment and video equipment for that matter. They've now switched across to, to OLED TVs, so their TVs are as cutting edge as the next. They've always made amazing quality, but certainly incredible looking gear at a price that many wouldn't even think of. But the fact is it's available, it's done, it's there. And what they launched, one of the coolest things they launched at IFA, was their so-called Edge, the Biosound Edge speaker. And it looks no more than a, a shiny silver band with black grill front and back. It's about the size of a 13-inch tire, and uh, it's actually an electronic connected speaker with amazing, amazing quality. But the coolest features of it were essentially that being round, it has touch controls with no knobs or buttons or anything, and it can be controlled through the whole B&O connected device platform through the app, um, whichever way you want to do it. But it has one other little clever trick up the sleeve. Apart from beautiful looking and amazing sounding with tremendous technology built in, so one new key technology um, which they built in, which I'll get to the coolest thing in a minute, but essentially in a speaker you have two types of bass control. The first one is a sealed box. The problem with the sealed box, your bass, the extension of your bass in the low end is determined by the size of the cabinet. So if you've got a sealed box, the bigger the cabinet, the better your bass, the lower it is and the stronger it is. The way around that was to build a little port or a little hole into the box, which then folded the sound and reinforced the, um, the sound, the bass sound of the speaker. The problem is at low sound, a port will reduce the ability of the speaker to play a lot of bass. And at high level, the, the port would kick in and start working. So what um, B&O have done is they've come up with a system of a variable port, one that is shut at low level to give you a decent quality and a decent volume of, of bass. And when the volume goes up beyond a certain level, the port just opens up and you get huge thumping bass um, at very, very high levels. And that actually explains the whole unit, this whole edge unit. Um, I recommend you go and have a look at my review where you just Google 
B&O uh, edge. And it just looks like nothing on earth. You've never seen anything quite this cool. And the coolest feature, as I said, apart from the technology trickery of bass and lots of tweeters and all sorts of stuff, which makes it sound really, really good, is that you can roll it backwards or forwards to increase the volume. So if it's on a stand, on a table or anywhere, you simply tilt it left to reduce the volume and tilt it right to increase the volume. And it also has a very clever wall mount. So it looks a bit like a, uh, a light on the wall and you can roll it up or roll it down to increase or decrease the volume. It's just such a cool thing. But clever, interesting, high-tech gear is what we know all about. And I was really, really, really impressed with this particular one. The next uh, press conference I went to, which was really, really interesting, was from Samsung. Now, Samsung do not generally announce major technology at IFA. Again, the IFA show is all about what's available for the last three months of, of the year in the stores and being a retail show. They don't want to show people stuff you can't buy. CES, on the other hand, in the beginning of January, tends to be much more speculative. This is all the latest tech. This is all the new gadgets that may or may not come out as you ask them. Oh, this looks cool. When's it available? Well, in the spring, if Best Buy give us an order. They don't say that, but that's the bottom line. And even the big guys like Samsung and LG and all the guys tend to show off stuff that may be coming out over the next year. And that's great, but it, it means you can't actually buy the stuff that looks super cool. Well, here's what's interesting. Samsung launched the brand new 8K range of QLED TVs, the Q900R range at IFA. And globally, it may take a few months to hit the streets. But after the show, I wandered into a store called Saturn, which is like Dion Wired here in um, Berlin. And there was a brand new Samsung 8K Q900R QLED TV on sale for 6,600 euros. Again, it sounds like nothing, but I'm not going to change it into rands because it's just an obscene amount of money. But the point about 8K is very simple. As I said earlier, 8K is all about size. The TV started 65 inches. Below that, 8K really doesn't make a lot of sense. And 8K means that there are four times the number of dots on the screen as compared to a... Um, 4K TV, and 16 times the number of dots on the screen as opposed to a 2K or HD TV. And as you can imagine, as your 55-inch TV grows to 65, 65 to 75, and then above, the more dots you have on the screen, the better and better the picture is. And the 8K TVs that I saw, and Samsung were not the only ones, uh, Sharp were showing off their second-generation available 8K TVs. LG, on the other hand, showed off an 88-inch OLED 8K TV, um, which is not really available for, for purchase yet, but it will be probably by the end of the year. Um, but the whole point of 8K, the whole benefit of 8K is all about sheer picture quality. And it actually does make quite a remarkable difference. It's unbelievable to, to see, even from three meters, even from close up, the quality of 8K is Undeniable. And what was really interesting, Samsung spoke a lot about upscaling because right now there's very little 8K content. Netflix have started making content like the Lost in Space series is, is natively uh, filmed in 8K. Obviously, it's not broadcast in 8K yet because that's not available, but it will come fairly soon. But essentially, 
you need to take a 4K or an HD uh, uh, source product and upscale it to to 8K quality. And um, Samsung was showing off how they were doing that, and it was pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, Showing a 4K native TV next to an 8K TV with the same content. So the one was 4K content on the 4K TV, and the 8K television displaying the 4K content upscaled with their fancy AI processor. Of course, it has AI. Um, clearly showed that there was much more detail on the 8K, despite the fact that this was not 8K native um, content. It was just quite remarkable. And again, it is cutting edge. Again, it is perhaps a little ahead of its time. But the simple fact is that within a year or two, 8K um, with the emergence of 5G and higher speed fiber, you will be able to get 8K content from all the streaming platforms, maybe even broadcast in some places around the world. Apparently, NTT.como in Japan are talking about broadcasting 8K TV really, really, really soon. So we're seeing more and more content coming. We're seeing more and more 8K TVs right now available. And interestingly enough, the 75-inch 8K TV at 6,600 euros is not much more expensive than the current 4K QLED TV, the 2018 version, selling in South Africa, which is about 6,000 euros. So the premium is not huge, but the quality jump is absolutely spectacular. Samsung also launched a whole lot of other um, product interesting stuff. They reiterated the Note 9 launch. They also did a little interesting uh, talk about their smart, um, as I said, their smart fridges with apps and, and, and knows what's inside and does all sorts of interesting menu recommendations. Or You can actually go to the shops, check what's inside. If you do need milk or you do need cottage cheese, you can see what's in the fridge from your app using smart things. Um, so really, the whole reality around connected stuff is becoming quite useful. One of the other major companies, and certainly a bit of a thorn in the uh, side of Samsung, Huawei, didn't actually announce a lot of new product, although they, off- they did launch a few new variants of their P20 Pro phone for China, leather on the back to make it feel all organic and natural, and perhaps for South Africa shortly, a brand new Aurora version, so sort of purpley, bluey, unusual color, along with a pearlescent white P20 Pro, which looks really, really, really cool. I must admit, white's nice, but a pearlescent sort of brilliant white is even nicer. But the big news from them, well, there were two really big announcements. One was their new Kirin 980 chip. Now, the P20 Pro uses the Kirin 970. It was the first chip to introduce AI or AI-assisted using what they call the GPU um, processor. Well, the Kirin 980 is the next evolution of that. And they're using the latest cores, which means it's probably about 75% faster than the Kirin 970. But more importantly than that, they're now using double um, AI cores to make it even smarter and faster. And the specs, I'm not going to bore you with them now, but the specs certainly look really, really, really impressive. It is without question the first seven nanometer. That's how, that's how small the transistors are. They're seven nanometers, which is a figure that most people can't even conceive of. But safe to say you can only see it through a microscope. Um, more will follow the new Apple chip, the A12, is coming at 7 nanometers. New 855 from Qualcomm is coming at 7 nanometers. But while we have announced the first one, 
right now. And also, it's much more, they promise it's much more efficient in terms of battery use because of the way it uses the processes inside. It's also much faster for gaming and much smoother across the entire range. And they also announced that the new Mate 20 will launch on the 16th of October using the new Kirin 980. Um, so the first device with this latest generation chip is already planned and coming out. I'm sure it's built ready for shipping. And knowing South Africa being a, a tier one country for Huawei, the, the Mate 20 Pro or the Mate 20, which whatever it will be called at the time, will be on sale probably before the end of October in South Africa. So really a huge, that's going to be another massive flagship phone, probably 6.5 inches screen. They also announced a smart speaker, like everyone, a speaker you talk to, it's got Alexa built in, but it has one little wrinkle that many companies can't match. It comes complete with a 4G modem built in. So you know the little dongle that you've got which connects to the internet? Well, it has that built in. It's a really fast one. It's not the fastest on the market, but certainly good enough for 300 megabits per second, which is good enough for the average home. And it makes this a really compelling idea. I played with it. It, it answers. It listens to Alexa really well. And um, it should be very interesting. Whether that'll come to South Africa, we have to wait and see, and we will see what happens on that space. But definitely, the new Kirin 980, along with the Mate 20, will be coming to South Africa very, very, very soon. Sony also announced a brand new phone. Um, and unfortunately, and a whole range of interesting headphones and other smartwatches, um, Acer really went to town. They brought out the best gaming rig I've ever seen, very Game of Thrones, powerful, big, and just absolutely insane. You sit in it and it moves and everything shifts around you and you're like encased in all this technology. But so many brand new products that I've actually, I've just realized I've pretty much run out of time. We have to call it a day very, very, very shortly. But there were an interesting bunch or mix of product from a little toy that runs around your house um, entertains your pets and pops out little treats like pellets, food pellets, to keep them uh, fed and entertained. That was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it actually watches your pets. There were lots of robot vacuum cleaners, a lot of robots in general, assistant robots. Uh, LG was showing off a whole range of industrial scale picking robots, robots that help you at airports, information robots, really an amazing range of, of robotic type equipment. Lenovo launched a brand new range of, of computers, some that I hope will be in South Africa very soon, and I will get some for review and we'll talk about them on the show. Um, so overall, really a spectacular show, chock full of technology, collaboration, cooperation between various brands, that a whole section on emerging tech and startups, which was pretty exciting. So all, all in all, I had an absolutely spectacular time talking tech and seeing tech at IFA Berlin 2018. And on that note, uh, if Craig were here, he would be waving at me to stop. I am going to stop. Till next week, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.